I want to talk about forgiveness. But there's an aspect of forgiveness I don't think that we think about so much. And that is the horizontal part of forgiveness. I think it's easy to think about the the vertical between God and myself. But what about for others? What about for others? Remember when Jesus was hanging on the cross, Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they were doing. Thought about that. I've thought about <laughs> I've thought about that idea of praying that prayer. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. In our prayer, our opening prayer this morning, we prayed, you prayed for the country and things that have gone on. And I thought about that prayer for those people that were involved and wondered. Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. And I thought about how easy it is to get caught up in something without having thought through the process. You see, I had family members down in Washington on Monday, and I had friends down there, and I'm thinking, what are they doing? What are they doing? Well, I think it's easy to say, Father, whoops, I think I'm frozen. Am I frozen? There we go. I think it's easy to say, Father, forgive me. Forgive me. But here's the question. How easy is it to forgive yourself? How difficult is it to forgive yourself when it's so easy to forgive others, or is it? Is it perhaps that forgiveness is actually hard? Maybe it's not as easy as we think. At least I don't think so. I don't think that it's easy always to forgive. And part of the reason, part of the reason is because I don't fully understand all that it means. Do you know the scripture says to, what, take up the cross and follow him daily, right? Great. But how can you deny yourself and take up the cross if you're in denial? Think about that. If you're in denial about what you feel, what you think, about your emotions, about your inner being, how can you lay it aside if you don't even consciously acknowledge and be aware that it's there, that it exists? And that's a real issue. A number of years ago, I had someone ask me if I would forgive them for an offense, for this thing they had done. And I said, sure, no problem, easy. Except what I didn't realize was the depth of the hurt that that action had caused to my spirit and my soul. I never dealt with it. I never felt the pain, the rejection, 
the betrayal and all the other emotions that went along with it. I remember going in and getting some counseling afterwards. And I was sharing with the counselor some things that I was going through in my struggles. And he said, you know, you are dealing with PTSD, don't you? You know that. I am a counselor. I don't like labels. I didn't like it when he said that to me. But the reality was I was. Because I had taken things that I had received and pushed it aside as if it didn't matter, as if it wasn't there, but it was there. I believe that forgiveness needs to be practiced throughout our lives, but entering into it requires that we go into it with our eyes fully open and understand its full meaning. We know, for an example, that that God in his word said that while you were yet sinner, Christ died for you. In other words, that God's forgiveness was extended to you from the beginning of time through the plan of Christ. But it cost Christ. It cost the Father to forgive you. And if you think that forgiving others won't cost you, you're wrong. It's a struggle. Asking God to forgive is not the same as forgiving someone else. Asking God to forgive so-and-so or some event is not the same as you forgiving them. You might think it's easy, but it's not easy. As I said, you can't forgive that which you won't acknowledge. And what I've learned is that there's a lot of things that go on in people's lives that we stuff, that we just push aside as if, well, it never happened. But if we're going to go deeper in our walk with Christ, if we're going to go into the things that God has called us, then we need to find and identify the wounds that are in us that keep us from serving God. I remember being... In a in a vent. By the way, I, I meant to say this. I love your worship team, guys, girls. I love it. I, this is one of the places I come that I can actually worship. Isn't that neat? I do think once in a while you ought to do a Beach Boy song or something. You know, you could do that. Okay. <laughs> but I really do. I just I just enjoy it. But we bury our hurts. We bury our disappointments. We bury wounds. And sometimes these wounds can be significant. When an event happens, we find that forgiveness is hard because it's attached itself to an old wound in our life already. We can't move forward. I started to say I was in a service once and during worship, Worship was awesome, and I and and often something I shouldn't say often, but sometimes what I do during worship is I lay down on the floor, and as I'm laying on the floor, just prostrate on the floor, I just started to weep. As I felt the love of God starting to just flow through me, 
And the problem was is that I was seeing my ugly self and all of my stuff for what it was and what I was experiencing was God's love in spite of it. And I was struggling because I was going, God, how can you love me? I'm such a failure. (coughs) And it was broken. And as God's love poured out and started to heal some of that brokenness in my life, I found that my horizontal relationship started to change because as I dealt with my stuff, I could easily, more easily, love others. And you see, that's the point. That's the point. I want to look at a passage of Scripture from Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 14. It's a simple passage that I think is important, and it's an important one for us to practice. I've been a runner throughout most of my life. I have to explain that. I'm chuckling already, but I have to explain what I was running from. I wasn't running from anything. I, was, I just got into running, and for 30 years I ran. Uh, marathons and short races, and I and I just loved it. I and I still do, except my body doesn't agree with me. Go figure. But one of the things, if you know anything about running or anything that you're going to do, is that it takes practice. You have to prepare yourself for it. You know, it's not like you're going to go out and run a marathon. Although I've known people to do this. Not real smart. It's like, what were they thinking? But you need to prepare yourself by adding mileage every week and doing more things and eventually getting to the point where you are now ready to go out and run a marathon. Well, I think there's verses and I think there's things in our lives that we can be doing to prepare ourselves for what comes. I think the worst thing that I've ever said in my own life is, God, what was I thinking? The answer to that question is what? You weren't. You weren't thinking at all. You were just reacting and responding to what you thought was good in the moment. (coughs) Proverbs says that there is a way that seems right. The operative word is seems right. Yeah. Well, how's that working for you? So Paul here is saying, and what I want to do is sort of pull this, these couple verses apart. It's working. Hallelujah. What time, how much time do I have of time? Pastor Tim says I have until quarter after. You ought to know by now I never go that long. I'm a man of few words. My daughters would tell you that all I have to do is just look at them. My my youngest daughter, who is now 48, tells me she still hates that look. So, look at the first part of this. Since God chose you, since God did what? 
chose you to be a different, uneducated, unholy, no. Uh, what kind of people? Holy people. A holy people that he loves, you must, you must clothe yourselves. I have great-grandchildren. I have, a, I have a whole quiver full. 22, I think. Maybe it's, going to be, maybe it's going to be 23. I know that one of my granddaughters is expecting. But you ever watched a six-year-old girl get dressed by herself? Not watched her get dressed, but look at what she puts on. I mean, she'll have... She will not be color-coordinated, not at all. She will put on what she thinks is pretty. Boys are the same, right? I mean, I've looked at kids and going, you are not going out with me. Oh, wait a minute. You're putting a mask on? Yeah, you can come. When we clothe ourselves, when we put on, I mean, there's scriptures that talk about putting on things. What do we clothe ourselves with? When we get up in the morning and we prepare for our day, what is it that we clothe ourselves with for the day? And I'm not talking about this stuff. I'm talking about spiritually, emotionally, physically. How are we taking care of our souls? Well, part of what I understand is Paul is saying that God has chosen us to be something. And that's not a bunch of fruitcakes, a bunch of nuts. It's to be holy. And here's the problem. Here's the problem with that word. That word must be defined by God's dictionary and not mine. And the problem is, is that we often will take words and we define it according to our understanding. I mean, after all, I'm holy most of the time, or I try. No, God says, be holy as I am holy. When? All the time. All the time. I think it's great to go to bed at night and say, Lord, how did I do? Ask the question and expect the answer. How did I do here, Lord? How was my life? Was I holy before others? Well, yeah, that was that person I got really angry at in the checkout line because they had 14 things in a checkout line for 10. I guess we don't really have those anymore, do we? Yeah. Except, I will know, I do know this, I'm behind someone going through the self-checkout and they've got three basket loads of stuff. Are you kidding me? Like, I am really upset about this whole deal. All right, Lord, well, maybe I wasn't real holy in that situation, but the rest of the day, I mean, if you're going to grade me, I, that ought to still be a 95%. And that's the way we do it, isn't it? We look at something we do and say, well, all right, well, that wasn't really a big deal. I mean, my wife forgave me for saying that. My dog got sick this morning. By the way, when the dog gets sick, it's my dog. The rest of the time, it's my wife's dog. 
So my, we still have a Christmas tree up. Anyone else have their Christmas tree up? Good. Okay. So we, some of you haven't? My goodness. Anyway, so we still have the Christmas tree up. Hasn't gone back in the box yet. And my wife has a white thing underneath it. Guess where the dog went? My dog. Yeah. So God has chosen you to be a holy people. And then he says that we are to be holy and clothe ourselves in what? Tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. I don't know about you, but one of those I could work on. I don't know how well I'm going to do with all five of them. What does that look like even? You see, the point is, is that what Paul is giving us is things to be practicing. Why is that so important? It's important so that when you run into the opportunity where one of these need to be exercised, you will have practiced them so that they will become natural in, your, in the outcome or out the outward part of your being. <clears throat> that what will happen is, is that you will give mercy, that you will expound in kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. You want to practice patience? Go to Florida and get behind the old people. You will find you will need patience. I think they're called the white hairs, the white-haired people. Now, I have the presence of mind not to go to Florida anymore. But do you know what happens every time I come up to Oil City? Every single time I come up to Oil City, I get behind a buggy on a blind hill with a corner that won't pull over. And a little kid in the back waving at me. I'm ahead of you. That is a good time to practice what? Patience. Maybe, Lord, you have a reason for me being behind them that I don't know about. See, God chose you to be a holy people. And he's asked and calling us to be clothed in tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. With who? Each other. This isn't about you and God. This is about you and your neighbor. It goes along with the idea of loving your neighbor as yourself. Oh, but Lord, you don't know my neighbor. Yeah, I do. My son died for them. And he's asking you to show them the love of Christ. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. 
How's he going to be lifted up if we're not doing it, if we're not living it, if it's not coming out of us? I do not want to be the person to whom someone says, if that is what a Christian is, I don't want to be one. You've heard that. And sadly, I have fit in that category at times. I went into a store recently. This is, this is the kind of stuff that's real, I think. I went into a store recently to purchase some stuff, and I pulled out my card that is, that is my discount card because of, a mil, because of past military experience, and, and I get 10%. Right? Good, right? I mean, after all, 10% is 10%. And I give it to the person and they swipe it and they said, do you have your driver's license too? And the reason they want my driver's license is they're verifying that I have that the military part. Now I've got to go into a different wallet and get that. And I got a little testy. I was annoyed. I was not practicing this stuff called patience. I was not practicing gentleness, humility, or kindness. And I didn't have a lot of mercy. And then I had to apologize because I was an idiot. For what? I was annoyed. I never get asked that question. Now suddenly this new policy, you got to, if they're using that card, they have to show their driver's license to verify that they have military on their driver's license. And you know what my saying is to myself? Oh, suck it up, Nephilim. Get over it. But you realize what I'm doing? If I'm a follower of Christ, I'm not lifting up Jesus. I'm showing them my annoyance. I don't know about you, but here's where my mind goes. I have to remember that I am a citizen of the kingdom of God. And that citizenship is more important than any other citizenship that you can imagine. Why? Because it is a citizenship of a kingdom that will last for eternity. And then he says in verse 13, make allowance for each other's faults. <laughs> make allowance for each other's faults. By the way, do you know you have faults? I know you do. You know how I know that? Your pastor told me. No, uh <laughs> Because we all have faults. I like to call them our idiosyncrasies. The things that make us unique, that they are who we are. You have habits that are annoying to people. I've been married for 56 years to my first wife. When I'm in the bathroom brushing my teeth, stay out. I've had that rule for 56 years. It doesn't matter to her. Hate it. I've gotten better. I've learned to practice patience. 
But my point is, is that God is telling us, make allowance for each other's faults. Practice grace and mercy with those people that you love. Practice gentleness and patience with your spouses, with your children, with your in-laws and outlaws. So my brother sends me a message a couple weeks ago, and he says, Hey, I got, these, I got extra tickets for the bus for Washington. I said, What? What bus? Oh, and we're ta- I still don't even know what he was doing. But I'm like, I am not going to Washington. I don't care what's going on in Washington. I'm not going to Washington. I'm dumb, but I'm not stupid. But I have to love my brother. I mean, first of all, he's my brother. He loves the Lord. He really does. But I don't agree with him on different issues. Well, as a matter of fact, I don't think I agree with him on a lot of issues. And, and I laughed yesterday because my older sister, my real old sister, who lives in Alaska, who is, um, she is on... If I'm on the, if, I don't know, if I'm on the left side, she's on the far right side, okay? That's where sort of she is. But she, I was, I called her in Alaska yesterday because she had gotten her, her the, the new COVID shot, the vaccination. And I said, how are you doing with that? She goes, pretty good. She, and then she told me she called our youngest brother and just tried to encourage him. And I'm like, you know, I'm on the phone. I'm going, really? This is my sister? who is, who we are politically on opposite ends of the spectrum, and she is calling him and offering him gentleness and mercy and kindness. Well, they're good for her. But that's what we need to learn how to do. That's what Paul is saying. If we're going to be a people who walk in a forgiving attitude towards others on a horizontal plane, these are the things we have to learn to practice. Not just on Sunday, but all the time. And then he says, forgive everyone who offends you. So I live an hour and a half from here. I had to get gas this morning, which takes time. So I left at 7. And my morning is rushed because I do a video that has to be uploaded and and now I'm uploading to both Facebook and YouTube and so I got to make the video and that takes time and that's at least 10 minutes and I got seven minutes into it and I had a blooper and so I had to cancel it and start again. That means it's now going to be 20 minutes. I've got to get gas. I don't have time to grab anything to eat. So when I got up here, I stopped at Sheets to get something to eat. I'm just saying, for me today, they were the slowest people I've ever seen. But guess who, who's got the problem? Why? I'm in a hurry. I'm already impatient. I've already gotten behind the 
only horse and buggy on the road on 322? Is that what it is coming up from Clarion? I run into the only one on a hill, on a blind spot, and I can't get by. Are you kidding me? And I've got a car that does not know how to go under. It doesn't know how to do the speed limit. I don't know why. It's, it's, my foot's not that heavy, but that gas pedal must be weighted because, you know. And then Paul says, forgive everyone who offends you. Well, for me, sometimes that feels like everyone. It's like everyone today is offending me. You ever have a day like that? Everything that can go wrong does go wrong at the worst possible moment. And I step back and I say, Lord, forgive me. I do not know what I'm doing. And God says, yeah, I noticed. Because <laughs> we do. We do. And Paul is saying, listen, God has chosen you to be a holy people. And what happened? What happened? What did I do? Let me go back. Huh. There we go. Okay. I don't know why that, that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Verse 14 says, Above all, clothe yourselves with love which binds us together in perfect harmony. Above all, clothe yourselves with love. Here's, here's the way that I see this. I see this as actually... And, and I've actually done this where I'm actually in a physically acting as if I'm putting stuff on. Like the full armor of God, you know, just putting this stuff on. Why do I do that? Because it emphasizes in my head and in my spirit what I'm doing. I'm actually trying to get my, eye, my head wrapped around this idea of, of what I'm doing. So, so when I'm a verse like this, I clothe myself with love. I, I imagine this cloak that I put over myself. Why? Because here's what I want. And this is what I hope we all want. What we want is, is, that, is that what people would see is the cloak of love. That they wouldn't see us. They wouldn't see our attitude, which is bad but they would see the attitude of Christ. I would want them to see and, and maybe even say, I perceive that you have been with Jesus. Why? Because that's who they need to meet. Hope has a name. His name is Jesus. It's not Bernie. It's not the great America. Christ. We were talking with a group of pastors on Thursday, and we were talking about the founding of this country and how there were people based because of because of doctrinal beliefs, and doctrine sometimes can mess you up. But they had these doctrinal beliefs that 
they were coming to America to set up the kingdom of God. Because they believed that the kingdom of God was going to come to earth and they were going to have it. Now, I won't get into all of the, the theology where that comes out of, but the problem is, is that I don't believe it. I believe in the kingdom of God, and I believe the kingdom of God will reign forever and ever. I don't believe it's a place. Jim Jones, you remember Jim Jones anyway? What was he doing? Yeah, well, all of his followers died because they drank the Kool-Aid. And the problem is people were trying to give you Kool-Aid when Paul already tells you what to do. So I want you to look at this because <clears throat> one of the things that I believe is that we need to stay on point with things. And I focus on staying on point. And staying on point is where am I headed? Where am I going? In Hebrews, it says that we are to lay aside every sin that so easily besets us and run the race with endurance. The thing about running a race is always, for me anyway, was always the finish line. I remember the first time I ran New York City, I was so in, focused on the finish line because that's where I was going to meet the people that were going to take me 120 miles back home. And without them, I was going to be bound to live in New York City or something. I don't know. I was going to be homeless. But look at this. Paul says, since God chose you, you. Now, forget about me. When he's talking to you, he's talking to individuals. God chose you to be holy. You must clothe yourself with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. You must make allowance for faults of others and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourself with love, which binds you together with others in perfect harmony. And the point is, is that we sometimes forget that this was written for individuals. Corporately, we make up a group, I agree, but individually, I am responsible to respond. Sometimes when we respond and we ask for forgiveness or we ask someone to let go of an offense, the person, like in this cartoon, falls over. Because we're not, they're not accustomed to us hearing that. And the, we may laugh at this, but the reality is, is that that depicts a real live reality. Do you know? And in this case, do you know how many husbands that could be said of? There was a time that my wife said, you actually admitted you were wrong? I said, well, I do occasionally have a, I'm wrong. Not very often, obviously. I'm wrong a lot. We ought to learn how to admit it. How do we do that? How do we do that? Well, again, it starts and it goes back to staying on point. Staying on point is 
certainly meaning asking for forgiveness, not assuming. And then when you're asking for it, do it with everyone that's involved in it. Avoid words like if, but, maybe. You know, if you hadn't have, you know, but, uh, no. Here's one of the things I don't even, yeah, admit specifically. And I say that because it's not uncommon for someone to say, I was wrong, would you forgive me? About what? And I think it's important to specifically say what you're asking forgiveness for. I was wrong when I shut the door in your face and locked it. I was rude and inconsiderate, and it was bad and mean-spirited. Admit everything about it. I'm sorry, I was wrong, but you brought it out in me. No. And I've heard it. You've heard it. Acknowledge the hurt. I'm sorry that I called you stupid. And I realize that it really hurt you. And I was wrong. Would you forgive me? Accept the responsibility. And finally, alter your behavior. Why? Because if you're asking for forgiveness and you're not changing anything that's going on in your life, then in reality, it's sending a message that you don't really care. Saying forgiveness is more than saying, I'm sorry. It doesn't excuse your behavior. It means I was wrong and I want to change it so it will never happen again. And here's what I would add as we close this. And this is a a part that I think is extremely important. Ask the question, what could I do so this never happens again? Because, and the reason I say that is because I can have a behavior, I can have a mannerism that is offensive to someone and I don't even realize it. And I have the power to change that. And if I am sincere, then I will work at changing that. I will work at doing something because it communicates to you honor and respect. And if we're not willing to do that, then what that is ultimately saying is that we're not willing to change. So the reality is, is that forgiveness, though being hard, begins and ends with us. And if we're going to be the people whom God has called us to be, then we're going to have to learn to practice being holy. 
people. Let's pray. Father, help us, Lord, to, to walk in that place, to walk in that place that, that you would say to us, well done, our good and faithful servant. That we would learn to walk in a manner that brings honor and glory to your son, Jesus Christ, so that others would see this cloak of love that is involved and engulfs us and that they would see Jesus in us. In Christ's name, amen.